0: Today's Wednesday, June 7th, 2023, and this is Five at Eight. With you today are Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman. In this episode, we'll talk about Iran's unveiling of a hypersonic missile, the World Bank's updated global growth outlook, the national state of emergency for LGBTQ rights in the U.S., the dam breach in Ukraine causing flooding and tensions between Russia and Ukraine, and the recent ruling in Canada that the 2020 attack on a Toronto massage parlor was an act of terror inspired by the incel movement. Story number one. Iran has unveiled a domestically made hypersonic missile named Fatah, which it claims can travel at up to 15 times the speed of sound, has a range of 870 miles, and can bypass air defense systems, as reported by The Guardian. The missile was presented by Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi, who said it would act as a deterrent to foreign aggression and ensure regional security. Israel has expressed alarm at the development, while the UN Nuclear Inspectorate, the International Atomic Energy Agency, has reached an initial agreement with Iran to reinvigorate its inspection process. Man, Iran's claim to have created their first domestically-made hypersonic missile is definitely raising some eyebrows, especially in Israel. These hypersonic missiles are incredibly fast and maneuverable, making them super-difficult to intercept. We're talking Mach 5 speeds here, Linda. It's a game-changer in terms of defense capabilities.
1: Yes, it certainly is concerning. Hypersonic missiles have the potential to shift the balance of power in regional conflicts and could lead to an arms race among nations. Only a few countries claim to have these missiles in their arsenals, and now Iran is joining that exclusive club. This development might prompt other countries to invest more in their missile technologies and defense systems.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of defense systems, Iran claims that their new FATA missile can bypass the most advanced anti-ballistic missile systems, including Israel's Iron Dome. That's got to be a wake-up call for countries relying on these defense systems to protect their territories.
1: Indeed, it highlights the need for continuous advancements in defense capabilities. However, It's important to note that Iran has been accused of inflating its missile technology claims in the past. While we should take this development seriously, we must also approach it with a healthy dose of skepticism.
0: Good point, Linda. Now, let's not forget that other countries like China, the US, and Russia are also pursuing hypersonic missile technologies. Russia even claims to have used them in Ukraine. So, this isn't just an isolated case with Iran, it's really a global issue that affects international security dynamics.
1: That's true, Mark. The development of hypersonic missiles by multiple countries raises the stakes in terms of global security and geopolitical relations. It's crucial for nations to engage in diplomatic efforts to prevent the escalation of conflicts and promote stability. Advancements in missile technologies should be met with a renewed commitment to diplomacy and arms control agreements.
0: Story number two. According to Al Jazeera, the World Bank has raised its 2023 global growth outlook, citing the resilience of major economies like the U.S. and China. However, the bank warns that next year's results will be impacted by higher interest rates and tighter credit. The bank also cut its 2024 global growth forecast due to the lagged effects of central bank monetary tightening and more restrictive credit conditions. This will slow growth further in the second half of 2023 and into 2024, with two-thirds of developing economies seeing lower growth than in 2022. The bank's new 2025 global growth forecast is at 3%, which is a major setback to coronavirus pandemic recovery and poverty reduction. You know, Linda, it's quite concerning that two-thirds of developing economies are expected to experience lower growth rates than in 2022. It's a major setback for their pandemic recovery and poverty reduction efforts.
1: Absolutely, Mark. It's disheartening to see that many of these countries will struggle to regain their pre-pandemic economic footing. The World Bank's report highlights how higher interest rates and tighter credit conditions will have a significant impact on their growth prospects.
0: Yeah, it's a stark contrast to how the United States and China have been more resilient than expected. What do you think is the main reason behind this difference in growth rates?
1: Well, Mark, one of the key factors is the strength of the labor market and consumption in the U.S., as well as China's recovery from COVID-19 lockdowns. These major economies have managed to bounce back more quickly, while developing countries still face numerous challenges such as limited access to vaccines, weaker healthcare systems, and less fiscal space to provide economic stimulus.
0: That's a good point, Linda. It's tough to see how this slows down poverty reduction and increases sovereign debt distress. Have we seen anything like this in the past? And if so, are there any lessons we can learn from those situations?
1: Historically, we have seen similar situations during economic crises, such as the 2008 financial crisis. One key lesson from those experiences is the importance of international cooperation and support. Institutions like the World Bank can play a crucial role in providing financial assistance. Technical expertise and policy advice to help developing countries navigate these challenging times.
0: Right, it's definitely important for these international institutions to step up and help out. So, what do you think can be done to address this situation and ensure a more equitable recovery for all countries involved?
1: There's no one size fits all solution, Mark, but a few key strategies could help. First, improving access to vaccines and healthcare resources for developing countries is essential. Second, Providing targeted financial support to help these countries invest in infrastructure, education, and social safety nets can promote long-term growth. And finally, fostering international cooperation and dialogue to address global challenges like climate change and trade imbalances can create a more sustainable and equitable global economy.
0: Story number three. The human rights campaign has declared a national state of emergency for LGBTQ rights in the U.S., citing the proliferation of anti-LGBTQ legislation in statehouses across the country. According to Al Jazeera, the organization identified Florida, Tennessee, and Texas as the most hostile states, with more than 70 anti-LGBTQ bills passed this legislative session. The Alliance Defending Freedom called the HRC statement slanderous, while HRC praised Michigan and Minnesota for expanding LGBTQ rights. The situation with the anti-LGBTQ legislation in states like Florida, Tennessee, and Texas is just disheartening, Linda. I mean, more than 70 bills passed this session alone, and that's double the previous record. What's going on here?
1: You're right, Mark. It's extremely concerning. The Human Rights Campaign has declared a national state of emergency because of this rapid increase in anti-LGBTQ legislation. The number of these bills has been steadily growing with 525 introduced this year, and it's mostly by Republicans.
0: It's just so, uh, frustrating to see this happening. I can't help but think about the families with LGBTQ members who are now feeling threatened and considering moving to safer places. What's the motivation behind these bills, anyway?
1: There are a few factors at play here, Mark. Some people argue that these bills are meant to protect children from misguided parents and doctors, even though major medical associations endorse gender-affirming care. However, the HRC points out that these laws are fueled by anti-LGBTQ plus Republican establishments and extremist groups like the Alliance Defending Freedom, Heritage Foundation, and the Family Policy Alliance.
0: It's just, uh, so disheartening to see this kind of divisiveness in our country. But on the flip side, there are states like Michigan and Minnesota that are expanding LGBTQ rights. So there's still some hope, right?
1: Yes, there is still hope, Mark. It's important to recognize the progress being made in some states, but we must also continue to fight for the rights of LGBTQ individuals in the states where they're facing hostility. This national state of emergency serves as a reminder that there's still a long way to go in achieving equality and acceptance for everyone.
0: Story number four. According to the BBC, a dam in southern Ukraine has been breached, causing flooding downstream and prompting both Russia and Ukraine to blame each other for the act of vandalism. Western suspicions have fallen on Russia, but Moscow has denied involvement. The flooding has forced Russia to evacuate troops and civilians eastwards, while also affecting the water supply for Russian-occupied Crimea. The breach also impacts Ukraine's summer counter-offensive which aims to break Russia's stranglehold over a swathe of territory it seized last year that connects Crimea to Ukraine's eastern Donbass region. The breaching of the Kohovka Dam in Ukraine is a real mess, isn't it, Linda? Both Russia and Ukraine are pointing fingers at each other, and it's tough to say who's really benefiting from this. I mean, on one hand, it's forcing Russia to evacuate troops and civilians, but it's also affecting the water supply for Crimea.
1: Yes, Mark. It's quite a complex situation. The dam breach could be seen as a strategic move in the ongoing conflict, but it's important to consider the long-term consequences of such actions. The forced displacement of populations and the disruption of essential resources can have lasting effects on the region.
0: Absolutely, Linda. And you know what? This whole thing reminds me of the Soviet troops blowing up a dam over the river Dnipro back in 1941 to stop the Nazi advance. Thousands of people perished in the floods. It's just another example of how environmental destruction can be used as a weapon in war. It's a real shame.
1: Indeed, Mark. There's also the issue of unexplained Nord Stream gas pipeline explosions, where the motivations and culprits remain unclear. It's crucial to consider the long-term environmental impacts of such tactics in warfare. But in the case of the Kokovka Dam, it seems that both sides will have to make major adjustments possibly delaying Ukraine's counter-offensive.
0: Yeah, Linda, it's like a strategic chessboard down there. And with the dam now breached and huge areas downstream flooded, it's become a no-go area for Ukrainian armor. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and what it means for the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine.
1: Absolutely, Mark. It's a reminder of how the actions taken in one part of the world can have ripple effects elsewhere. We can only hope for a peaceful resolution to the conflict and that the long-term consequences of these actions are taken into consideration.
0: Story number five. According to the BBC, a judge in Canada has ruled that the 2020 attack on a Toronto massage parlor was an act of terror inspired by the incel movement, making it the first incel-related incident to be deemed a terror offense in Canada. The killer pleaded guilty to murder in 2022 and is currently awaiting sentencing. The man, who cannot be named due to his age at the time of the attack, had cited inspiration from an incel attacker who drove a van into a crowd in Toronto in 2018. This ruling in Canada, classifying the 2020 Toronto massage parlor attack as an act of terror due to incel motivations, is a major step in recognizing the dangers of this online subculture. It's about time we started treating these acts of violence with the gravity they deserve.
1: I agree, Mark. It's concerning how the incel movement has inspired such violent actions, and it's crucial for authorities to acknowledge and address this threat. The fact that this is the first incel-related incident deemed a terror offense in Canada shows that we're starting to take this issue more seriously.
0: Absolutely, Linda. And it's not just an isolated incident. We've seen other cases like the 2018 Toronto van attack where the attacker identified as an incel and targeted innocent people. The impact on society, particularly women, is immense as these individuals harbor such deep-seated resentment and anger.
1: Yes, and it's important to note that these acts of violence aren't just random occurrences. They're often fueled by online communities that perpetuate and amplify incel ideologies, which can lead to radicalization and ultimately violence. We need to find ways to counteract their influence and prevent more tragedies.
0: You hit the nail on the head, Linda. And it's not just about law enforcement cracking down on these acts. We need to address the root causes of this mindset. Education, mental health support, and fostering healthy relationships are key to tackling this issue from the ground up.
1: Definitely, Mark. And we must also consider the role of social media and online platforms in monitoring and controlling the spread of such ideologies. It's a complex issue, but one that we can't afford to ignore. The safety and well being of our communities depend on it.
0: That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow.
1: Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.